trying my best to navigate that landscape. And to be honest, it has been difficult over the years, but I just, but by just sticking with your journey and sticking with your 10 year dedication um, and, you know, and then getting recognition from, you know, First People's Fund, Community Spirit Award. I, I've just discovered that if we just stick with our, our vision and our goal, we don't have to worry about some of those challenges as much as, as we normally have to. First People's Fund presents the Collective Spirit Podcast. The Collective Spirit moves each of us to stand up and make a difference, to pass on ancestral knowledge and simply extend a hand of generosity. The Collective Spirit Podcast features Native artists and culture bearers who discuss the power of Indigenous art and culture. My name is Sean Brigman. I'm a Spokane tribal member, and I also descend from many of the tribes from this region up here. So that would include the, the Kalispell, the Arrow Lakes, and the Shuswap from British Columbia. And my arts discipline is I'm a, I'm a cultural recovery artist, meaning I go out and I recover some of our all-natural built environment heritage. And that would include some of our architecture, like, uh, like Thule Mat Lodges, House Pits, and some of our canoe some of our canoe architecture as well. So that's my medium. I have an undergraduate degree in architecture. And during that time, I also studied abroad in Copenhagen, Denmark. And while in Denmark, I visited the Viking Ship Museum. And, and so I was really inspired by by the Scandinavians recovering their you know, their their water heritage from the fjord. There, some of their Viking ships were buried. And then also for my master's degree, I, I studied recreation management at the University of Idaho. And during that time, I had an opportunity to study abroad in Christchurch, New Zealand, with a focus on studying in indigenous Maori recreation and leisure patterns. And so that's some of the background that, that kind of um, introduced me to to the built environment, as I wanted to involve the built environment heritage with our summer youth programs. Um, I wanted to abstract some of our architectural heritage into the contemporary design of the built environment. And so that's how I really got started. So, yeah, it's all interdisciplinary for me. So, like, during my undergraduate degree, during my rec my master's degree, yeah, I wanted to actually implement my educational background, you know, in my community. So, for example, when I was working for summer youth programs, you know, I wanted to program some of that cultural recovery work into the, into the youth programs. So, for example... Um, when I recovered a Thule mat lodge for, and that's the traditional housing from our region. When I recovered my first Thule mat lodge for my master's degree, I was able to implement that as a as a kind of a cultural um, implementation for one of the for one of the culture weeks. And so that you know that's how I got started is just being able to incorporate my educational background and the work that I was doing with the summer Native summer youth programs that I was working. And so I was always looking to try to incorporate this into the Native community. And then it just kind of grew from there. Uh, that was in 2007. And then over the years, it just kind of gained momentum. And then I became known for being a cultural recovery specialist. And so then just over the years, I was, you know, I was always usually invited in to do workshops. And then also, you know, during my academic journey, I was I was incorporating all of that work into my into my classes. For example, with American Indian studies combined with with architecture or recreation, just my goal was to always incorporate all of it interdisciplinary. My process is I, you know, I usually do a 
a literature review. I look at the ethnography, anthropology, and then also look at museum collections. And then, and then I'm also open to elder presence and knowledge holder presence. And then I also go, and then during that time, I also like to look for communities who are actively engaged in the cultural knowledge. So, for example, though the Wanapum people here in central Washington, they're well known for keeping their Thule mat longhouse architecture um, knowledge alive. So, for example, I would attend a workshop with them where they teach you beginner skills and harvesting Thule reeds and how to sew those Thule reeds into Thule mat. And then the same thing with Bark Sturgeon's canoes. I would do a literature review of Bark Sturgeon's canoes, visit the canoes and museum collections. And then I was also invited by uh, a Kalispell tribal elder to attend one of their workshops where they were still actively engaged in harvesting the bark to, to skin those canoes. And so that's kind of what the landscape looks like here in, in eastern Washington region is just kind of a, like in a circle. I just cycle through all of those opportunities. So, so just to recap, that's, you know, academically, I'm doing a literature review. I'm visiting museum collections. And then I'm also looking for the communities who are still actively engaged in, in their culture. And, and, and they usually have workshops that you can sign up for. It's definitely a hybrid. It's definitely a hybrid approach. It's, I discovered early on it's not a nine to five uh, scenario. It's, it's really and it's also it's also seasonal. Um, and there's usually a one year. How do I say that? There's usually a one year layover. So if you think you're going to accomplish a project during year one, almost always it usually ends up being a one-year layover to compensate for the fact that it's not a nine-to-five kind of job exploration. It's it's really, in the indigenous way worldview, it's it's really um, you know cyclical. It's seasonal and then an annual, and so so I had to get my brain thinking in that way too. Well, when I was invited to the bark harvest workshop with the Kalispell tribe, I was just really inspired when I attended that workshop that the Kalispell community members, and for example, there were elders, there were language speakers, and there were youth, and they all worked together as a family unit. So they're combining recreation, work, and leisure, and fun together as one to get this cultural, you know, job completed. And so that's what was really inspiring for me is to see a watch a community work together uh, as a group to get to get this bark harvest done. And so that's something that's always inspired me over the years is to get back to the indigenous recreation and leisure patterns. This last year, um, for example, I've been able to diversify a little bit. Well, I participated in the in the painting of a mural on a basketball court. So here in Spokane, Washington, we're known for Spokane Hoop Fest, which is the largest three-on-three basketball tournament in the world. And so uh, within the past year, I was able to participate on painting a mural, a native-inspired mural that actually went on a basketball court. And then also uh, during this last year, I was able to participate in an independent film. It 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 was called a supernatural pre-colonial love story. And so I was able to provide um, kind of like village architecture for the movie to give it that, you know, that pre-colonial look. And currently what I'm working on, actually, I'm tra- kind of transitioning right now. I'm looking to start publishing on my work. Uh, so whether it's a book chapter, an academic article, or even developing a, a book manuscript proposal, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, when I was nominated nominated for the award, 
I've, you know, I went through the interview questions and I, and I like to apply for, for grants or award opportunities, mainly because it also gets my brain to kind of like framework what it is that I'm doing. And so as I was filling out some of the, the, you know, the, the answering questions for the CSA award, um, one of the questions that popped up in there had to do with, with the healing. They asked you to kind of connect with some of the healing journey that you've been on. And then just coincidentally that year, my uncle Neil in Kamloops, British Columbia, the whole Kamloops Indian residential school thing hit. And so I was able to speak with my uncle Neil on the phone and it was very triggering for him. And so speaking with him on the phone, it was very healing for both of us to just really talk about his father, my my great grandpa, who survived the Kamloops Indian Residential School, and to, and to find out that he was one of the last old ones to still practice the traditional ways into his adulthood. So for example, he was one of the last of the torchlight fishermen who would fish from a dugout canoe using the torchlight method. And so it's just been very healing. And then also to be nominated by a community member from the Colville Confederated Tribes to recognize my 10 years of Bark Sturgeon Nose Canoe Recovery work. It was just very empowering for me um, to get the recognition because sometimes as a cultural recovery otter, some, sometimes we just we just need to hear those words or sometimes we need that recognition because sometimes we're not aware that, that we do have that much influence. First People's Fund, is it's really been kind of an empowering thing to, to validate my journey. Um, so for example, when I first received word that I received the award, I, I kind of had a little bit of that, um, what's that phenomenon, uh, um, imposter syndrome. But after reflecting on it, attending the award ceremony, and, and, and also seeing, and also doing the research on other community spirit awardees over the years, uh, you know, I, I stand by my work. Um, all, all of the uh, requisites for the award, um, those are those are the variables that I al- I've also accomplished. And so, and so this has just been very empowering for myself as an artist as well. Some of the challenges, uh, just one challenge that, that kind of comes up right now is ju- just the, pheno- the phenomenon of the, you know, the non-native consultants that, that come into our communities. And then as a native consultant or a native artist or native knowledge holder, just being just trying my best to navigate that landscape. And to be honest, it has been difficult over the years, but I just, but by just sticking with your journey and sticking with your 10 year dedication um, and, you know, and then getting recognition from, you know, first people's fund community spirit award. I, I've just discovered that if we just stick with our, our vision and our goal, we don't have to worry about some of those challenges as much as, as we normally have to. But I just want to state that one of the challenges has been, um, you know, with the non-Indian consultants or the non-Natives who are consulting on our artistic heritage or our architectural heritage. But just as a Native artist, just to stick with it and just let the cards fall where they may fall. <laughs> I imagine my legacy, uh, well, currently that's why I'm exploring the publishing because I do want to explore kind of like, you know, book manuscript uh, format, which eventually hopefully will get into a documentary format. And currently I'm 48 and I envision when I'm, by the time I'm 55, I think all of this will come to fruition where the knowledge will be in kind of a, an academic form, an auto ethnographic form and physical form 
where then at the age of 55, I can really begin focusing on sharing that knowledge uh, cross-generationally from the age of 55 to really begin sharing that with the youth. But in the meantime, I really do need to get into that kind of, my goal is to get into the publishing, documentary work, video film work. And that's just where, that's kind of where I'm at right now, thinking about uh, legacy. And then also to see the cultural forms for the legacy, the cultural forms need to be manifested into a contemporary built environment. So, for example, um, you know, abstracting our, our architect, you know, our traditional lodges and then abstracting, continuing to abstract that into contemporary day architecture. Or taking the traditional Bark Sturgeon's canoe form and abstracting that into a new a futuristic canoe form. So that's when you get into the indigenous futurism. And so that's where I see all of this going. And and one and to add to that, one of the things is that I'm big on is is in order to get to the indigenous futurism, we, we still have to I want to focus on maintaining the integrity of what our traditional housing was or maintaining the integrity of what a bark sturgeon's canoe is. And then once we've maintained that integrity of what those things what those are then we can experiment with uh, the indigenous futurism. The Collective Spirit Podcast is produced by First Peoples Fund, whose mission is to honor and support indigenous artists and culture bearers. Through grant-making initiatives, culturally rooted programming, and training and mentorship, Learn more at firstpeoplesfund.org.